In this podcast, we look at the Revolution of 1830, a false hope for liberal nationalism. Liberal nationalism was the idea that a nation was necessary to break the hold on power of the kings so that middle-class people could vote and run the government by themselves. It was the idea that the nation exists to rescue the middle class and freedom from the control of the kings. We saw that Napoleon overthrew the first French Revolution in 1799, and in 1815 the kings of Europe defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. But in order to understand what this meant for the future, we have to consider things like the Industrial Revolution, which gave money to the middle class and made them a force to be reckoned with. And we also have to look at the picture that you see on the page where this podcast is located. Look at this picture. It is a painting by Eugene Delacroix, and it's called Liberty Leading the People. It was painted in 1830, and it's important for a number of reasons. First of all, it's a painting that supposedly portrays the Revolution of 1830 that is the topic of this podcast. This was a revolution in Paris. It was essentially the second French Revolution, the first, of course, being the one in 1789. But this revolution was different from the 1789 revolution because it was an entirely middle-class revolution which never stopped being a middle-class revolution. But this painting is very important because it's also considered one of the first examples of romanticism in art. What you see here is a painting that is very wild and disorderly. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of violence. There are dead people that Liberty is climbing over. And one character on the right is shooting a gun. And another character on the left wears a top hat and a suit coat, which symbolizes that this is a revolution of and by and for the middle class. You don't see a lot of peasants in this picture. So Delacroix is basically painting a romantic scene in praise of the liberal revolution of 1830. He is supposed to have said when he finished the painting, My bad mood is vanishing thanks to hard work. I've embarked on a modern subject, a barricade. If I haven't fought for my country, at least I'll paint for her. So you see, Delacroix is is sorry that he wasn't able to fight for the revolution, but he considered his painting to be his part in the revolution of 1830. And that's a very romantic sentiment that... The artist is also a soldier. But you see her holding high the tricolor flag of France. And, of course, that was the flag of the French Revolution, symbolizing liberty, equality, and fraternity, the three colors. And liberty is wearing a Phrygian hat, which was a hat that was a symbol of liberty in the original French Revolution. 
Now, in looking at the Revolution of 1830, which is the subject of this painting, we need to go back to the Congress of Vienna in 1815. This was the meeting of the crowned heads of Europe, the, that is, the kings, who had met in Vienna in 1815, right after the defeat of Napoleon. And their goal was to turn the clock back on the French Revolution and everything that it represented. Their goal was to put the kings back on their thrones. But of course, as the nursery rhyme says, not all the king's horses or all the king's men could put Humpty Dumpty together again. Humpty Dumpty being the old order. But they sure tried in 1815. They installed a new king of France named Louis XVIII. Now, there was no Louis XVII. The last French king had been Louis XVI, and he was beheaded in 1793. But they just pretended that there was a Louis XVII, and then they crowned someone Louis XVIII in 1815. And this man, Louis XVIII, uh, rather behaved himself over the next few years because he did not want to be overthrown in a revolution. But at the Congress of Vienna, they installed kings in, on the throne of Spain, for example, and they tried to install kings on other thrones as well. One of the things that they did at the Congress of Vienna was to, to create something they called the Confederation of the Rhine, the Rhine River. In other words, this was a group of small German principalities that would be so small and so numerous that they would never combine into one nation of Germany that might upset the peace and order of the 19th century. Of course, this proved to be a false hope as well, because German unification did take place later in the 19th century. But in terms of France, Louis XVIII died in 1824, and his place was taken by a man named Charles X. Now, Charles X was an egotistical man who wanted to be an absolute monarch like Louis XIV. But the age of absolutism, of course, expired way back in the 17th century, and therefore Charles was not going to succeed. But he said no to everything that the liberals wanted. No voting rights, no freedom of the press, no participation, participation in government at all. And so in 1830, the French revolted in the Revolution of 1830. But these were middle-class Frenchmen, as you can see from the painting by Delacroix, a man in a business suit fighting the revolution. And it was a very quick and easy revolution. It was quite easy for Charles X to be overthrown. In his place, the new middle-class government established a republic, the first republic since the French Revolution, with a king who was a liberal monarch. His name was Louis-Philippe. Louis-Philippe wore a business suit himself, just like a middle-class man, and he promised to behave himself. Now, this set the stage for a new kind of revolution that would be much bloodier and much more momentous in 1848. And the revolutions of 1848, not only in Paris, 
but in Berlin, in Vienna, and even in Rome, were going to be the most consequential revolutions of the 19th century. But the Revolution of 1830, which we just looked at, has a relationship to that later set of revolutions because it gave a false sense of security to the middle class. It taught the lesson that the middle class only needed to have a revolution if they ever wanted to satisfy some sort of grievance that they might have. It worked in 1830, so if they have to have another revolution, let's have another revolution. But what the middle class did not realize is that between 1830 and 1848, new Europeans were beginning to emerge out of the fog and fire and furnaces of the Industrial Revolution. And these new Europeans were working-class Europeans who had nothing in common with middle-class Europeans. And the working-class Europeans were going to be attracted to the new ideas of socialism and communism, and they were going to try to take over the revolutions of 1848 soon after the middle class initiated them, as we will see in our next podcast. Until then, happy history musings.